Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, boy, we've had some good times, dispatches. From correct pronunciations and calls for code, to wondering where Pabu is and realizing Bolin isn't very smart. Yes, Nickelodeon makes it difficult, but we've powered through since April 2012. Let's reminisce, Matt, Dave, Devendra, and Joanna. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Republic City Dispatch. Brand new, completely fresh. Nothing, nothing held over from past episodes. Because it would be too hard to just recycle yeah, clips. That would from be the so much shows. work. Oh my god! Yeah, people in our comments recommended we try and do a clip show, quote unquote, episode for this. Yeah, clip and, shows uh, are supposed to be easy. Yeah, that Sorry, would be guys. horrible, horrible for us. Um, I was just supposed to bring an assortment of pat answers that I've given in the past to play. Yeah, we should have quoted. We should just be quoting ourselves. They <laughs> pronounce everything incorrectly from here on out. Uh, Amon. <laughs> uh, has it really been since April 2012? I guess that's not it that has. long ago in yeah. television time. We've gone through four seasons of Korra and only two-ish years have passed, which is probably the issue with the episode that we're going to talk about today, Remembrances, uh, which is indeed a clip show. I, I don't think any of us realized it would be beforehand, but yes, this was kind of rehashing all this plot. Um, I didn't introduce us, but who cares? Everyone knows us, right? <laughs> Davindra? Hello. Joanna. Hello. Dave. Hey. Me, Matt Patches. We're all like familiar faces now. Why do, Why would we have to rehash that? There's no point. <laughs> this well, is not a good first look, episode. <laughs> what do our faces look like if they're chibiized? I mm. would love. That's a fan art request right there. There we go. Yes. Chibi Although I feel like oh, that uh, the one with us as the, uh, or no, no, that wasn't us. That was just Air Bison, right? No, we sitting around the table. Yeah. We were, were around the fantastic. table with the Air Bison. Yeah. That was a thing yeah. of okay. beauty. Um, all right. What, what, Dave, do we even ask you what happened in Remembrances? <laughs> Nothing <laughs> Something happened. happened. Nothing. There Remembrances. Some, there were some fun. Mako tells Wu about his past. Asami listens to Korra muse about her trials. <laughs> Varric has an idea for a movie about Bolin. Hero of the world. <laughs> that is the best summary the end. ever. <laughs> um, the end. And this is the part where we rehash and tell people that, you know, we have been doing this since April 2012, but there are many Cora fans who are not listening to the show. And how do we get them listening? By doing reviews on iTunes or rating the show. So if you don't subscribe, you only listen through SoundCloud, go on iTunes. Or if you are not participating in our, like, talk back, which is incredible, just so many uh, voices and, and so many opinions. And really, uh, it's just all insightful. It's kind of amazing. Uh, RepublicCityDispatch.com is where that goes down every week. So I would mm. check that out. Um, spread the word on tumblr too i feel like that that works out well for us right yeah reblog people have been reblogging and writing their own little ditties i i enjoy reading them all um mm -hmm. and that certainly helps us yeah cora has a strong fan base on tumblr if that has not become clear <laughs> in the last uh, two years okay where do we begin with remembrances somebody somebody take me through the history we'll, of we'll start with shows. the title right is that a word remembrances well, is it a word? Yeah. <laughs> matt it's you just want to go through the fun it feels so the... cromulent i don't know uh, yeah. <laughs> it does feel cromulent <laughs> Matt, you want to go through the the Brian blog post? Well, I guess that just is. To make sure. Yeah, that's that, probably that's where we need to start. To start, because I, I had seen the episode before this post went live, so this whole clip show thing had been a real shock to me, and I was a little upset about it. I just found it very annoying, but I also, you know, brought myself back down to earth because, like, why would they do a clip show? There's a few reasons. One. 
recapping for maybe younger audience members who didn't know what was going on or needed this kind of rehashing of everything that's happened, a catch-up, um, and also because it's cheap, right? You don't have to spend a lot of money, so you can put all your resources towards uh, doing this grand finale. We're going out on a bang. So it's kind of, there's a silver lining there. And I think, so Brian, before this episode launched on Nick.com, took to Tumblr, and ever so transparent as he's always been about the show, which is kind of amazing to me. I don't know what that relationship is like between him and Nick at this point, because he's just so open about everything. Uh, if you don't follow him on Tumblr, you should. Here's a good tip, folks. Be that open, and your show might end up on Nick.com instead yeah, of on exactly. the Exactly. <laughs> so that's, it's, it's a little troublesome. Yeah. He, he took to Tumblr, and he's like, listen, uh, Nickelodeon slashed our budget. Uh, he's got nothing middle, to lose, right? Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, exactly. That's a bad side. Um, yeah, in the middle of the season, they didn't <laughs> expect to have the amount of money they did going into this final season and and they had to put this episode together if they wanted to keep their entire team together and finish this season right so they did a clip show and they tried to make it as good as they can i think brian did a good job of preparing people for what this is which is basically the lousiest episode of the series just by default. I mean, it almost has to be because there's nothing new and there's nothing really interesting about it. There's some there's some high points, but uh, there's no, there's nothing good about a clip show. It doesn't matter what show it is, right? There's been many, many, many shows mm-hmm. that have done clips, uh, clip episodes, and they're not good. Like, even we, if The Simpsons is making fun of it or Community yes, is subverting yeah. it, it's just not going to be good. I, well, well, I love one it yeah. the Simpsons. Yeah, well, Community is doing well, too, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't actually a clip show, so it was okay. It was okay. a faux clip show. It was, it was using the structure of it, which yes. I, I enjoyed, which is also like the Ember Island players, which is mm-hmm. brought up in the Tumblr post and everywhere because that was a not a clip show sort of making fun of it but then also led to like character development mm-hmm. you know ang and katara had to go outside and be like man everybody sees me as this and i gotta be that and sort of it was a moment to reckon with the leftover bits before the whole finale and people this still is... hate ember island players it seems or maybe people have come around on ember i, I like ember island now players. that yeah. this episode that... exists no one can hate ember island players that was also like four years of material they were covering instead of like right. two years of material they were covering but also it was reanimated it wasn't clips it was you know newly animated things with those that theater troupe so this just really, because it actually uses clips, feels mm-hmm. so budgetary. And it's like, uh Which it I was. I, but I mean, um, I've been thinking about this in terms of modern sitcoms do a weird thing where they, they don't do clip shows necessarily because that sound, seems so ham-fisted. But what they do, like 30 Rock and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a bunch of them do these weird flash cuts, like quick cuts to something that happened in the past. It's like become this comedic device that a lot of modern sitcoms lean on heavily. Obviously it's a, it's a different thing, but Parks and Recreation have talked about how they're going to fill in like the three year time, a bunch of flashbacks this season. And I don't know, it can be useful, but this is obviously in old stayed format. The only way it worked was with Varric because it was hilarious because it was recut, you know? Yeah. You almost yeah. wish they could have done the entire episode as a Varric telling this story. <laughs> yeah. With um, I, but we I guess there were too many loose ends to really just focus on mm-hmm. him. I mean, did we need any of what we got from Mako or Korra and Asami? I, I guess it was nice to hear Korra talking about the position she's in and kind of confronting this notion of balance just right on the nose, even though I think a lot of it she's already discussed with Toph by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but Prince Wu, funny, right? <laughs> Wu down. 
Udon. Yeah, it's yeah. Thing. I like that that out as his catchphrase. Yes. I was like, oh, it's a catchphrase now. And then Mock was like, it sucks that that's your catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> see, there's a I lot mean, to love here. It is nice to see Mako. We finally get some time to uh, to connect, I guess, because it's always like Mako being just annoyed at Wu. And uh, it's funny how that whole first sequence, by the way, doesn't paint Mako as a really good guy. Like he just comes across looking like kind of a jerk through most of the first act of this episode because his romantic uh, misadventures just stink. They make him look horrible. Yeah, I think I like the Korra Asami one the least mm-hmm. because it was the one that went didn't even go meta for a little bit. Like the Mako one was like, uh, yeah, you had grandma in there basically telling him <laughs> how horrible he is at dating and suggesting that his grandfather was sort of a player. And then on the Varric one, you have him, you know, referring to Unalak as the unpopular wizard from the north. <laughs> um, so I, I like that those, like the Umber Island player, is allowed for some sort of meta commentary or some reminiscing for us as fans as to things we were talking about at the time. But the Korra and Asami one was just like, not only did both those characters know what happened because they were both involved in all those right. things, but it's like there isn't anything learned out of that to me. Unless we're not going to get a scene later on where Korra and Asami get to actually bond before the finale, but that seems mm-hmm. unlikely. So yeah. that one was fine, but that that like middle section of the clip show was basically like kind the, of a drag. the clip the clippiest of the clip show. Yeah, yeah, it was. because not only is it is it Korra kind of rehashing things that she obviously knows about already, or or that Asami has lived out with her but it's kind of the most boring aspects when truncated it feels like in the sh- clips there's it's not action heavy it's a lot what of if they like had been making stuff. what if they've been making out between the clips that would have destroyed <laughs> them. everything would have imploded <laughs> okay but here's devastating blow here's my real question uh, do you think that they're just really trying to hammer home the connection between all of our past villains like toff already did but just really try to get us to compare the th- the three or four, if you want to count Unalak as his own, and try to figure out what how we feel about all of them and how we can apply that to what's coming. This, uh, mm-hmm. this, this section did remind me of something that I think TV showrunners or serialized storytellers in general um, deal with, with the fans of their stories, their television shows. Um, what will the end be? If it's not the end that those fans were picturing, the ultimate ending or whatever they're they're conceiving in their imaginations, then there's going to be disappointment. And I think this middle section, as kind of a slog that it was, um, sets up for the fact that there is no definitive ending to Legend of Korra because she can't defeat Kuvira in a way that's going to be like smashing in her into the ground and like mm-hmm. seizing the the crown and being like i am the avatar it is over like yeah. peace everywhere everything's perfect no well, i would i would love that if which it is, ends just like uh, army of darkness but core core version right which is kind of how avatar the last airbender ends it's not as bombastic but like there's a definitive ending ang takes away um ozai's powers and that's it everything is solved and then only later in comics and kind of this expanded universe material that we got after the fact, we realized, no, not everything is perfect. In fact, there's a lot of political turmoil. People are butting heads and Aang cannot solve this problem that he thought he would if he just took away Ozai's powers. It doesn't, everything doesn't reset to normal. Um, the world is constantly in flux and it's not about achieving balance. It's about fighting for balance. And 
I mean, I guess it was, it's not the most elegant way of doing it, but they Mm -hmm. they established that in this middle section of the episode. This show will not have a definitive ending that is going to be this triumphant hero moment. It can't. You think so? I I mean, I I think it speaks clearly. Or what if that's what they want you to say? (laughs) Until I I seize the crowd. I'm the Avatar. Woo! I mean, that's the whole point of balance, right? The whole point of balance is that things could go either way at at any point. It could get worse. It could get better. But it can't just be great, I guess. That's the whole point of all this. Yeah. I hope Mm -hmm. that. um, I mean, okay. Do we want to talk about how we think the series is going to end? Is that how Mm. we're going to spend this hour? Or do we (laughs) want to talk about, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of... I kind of want to ask the question of when they discovered this was going to have to happen. And I I'm, have to imagine it was towards the middle of the process because it seems like a clip episode could have fit perfectly into like the Toph Swamp section. I mean, not that I would have enjoyed more pausing to look backwards, but at least would have made sense in the overall right, book storytelling. there's a moment in that episode where she's like, remember Amon or remember... Uh, Unalak, remember all the, uh, Zaheer, all these enemies that you've confronted in the past. They've all have, you know, weird philosophies that are not too dissimilar to your own, except they're extremists or they're yeah. out of balance. They mentioned this already, and now we have a moment that's like this. So I, you know better than anyone, probably with animation background, if if so, how quickly something like this had to be conceived. Yeah, I'm trying to suss it out um, because basically from looking at the blog post, he sort of breaks down some of the production team involved. And it seems like there was uh, like fewer storyboards because there was just one person doing it. And like they got all the sound design people back, but they definitely had like an After Effects artist. who so I'm assuming is the guy doing like stuff like putting Bowman's face on uh, Korra Kaiju for the third segment. But it seems like this had to be like towards the end of the process. And it seems like I don't want to make Nick seem more horrible, but it seems like they had to be like in the middle of making the climax. And then they were like, oh, actually, uh, your book three leaked. So we're going to take away like $20,000 from you. Because it, <laughs> otherwise, it, like these guys are good enough storytellers to know to put it in the part of the season with all the flashbacks mm-hmm. and stuff. So this seems like a really, really late decision. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that speaks to why it feels kind of cobbled together, right? I mean, the, the animation is very simple, and I, I, I do enjoy the chibis. That, they, they really tried to make this something enjoyable. Yeah, we and so really the... Knock I think it was... Uh, what is it? The character, the character designer... Uh, Christy Seng did all the chibis. They just like gave her. They're like, "Hey, we have a clip episode. We don't have a budget for a lot of people. Can you do all these these chibi interactions?" Does someone know off the top of their head why what chibi? Like, is there a definition? It means chibi? small, basically. Like, make make something smaller and cuter. Mm. Yeah, I you like know, all it things as, should be chibi. Right. Yes. I like it as sort of a representation of like a fantasy your inner inner voice or uh also it's like we talked about uh face faults in season one i think mm-hmm. uh animated face faults season one of this podcast um where you accentuate a moment by having a character make an extreme face that is occasionally is like chibiized 
I've, I've been interested to see it sort of make its way into American animation through superhero mm-hmm. properties like Teen Titans and Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man, where I think Chibi Spider-Man <laughs> is probably the best part of that show. It's so weird. At least we never got to see it with Batman, because that would have terrified me. <laughs> I just never. I don't think but Batman we- has a Chibi face. Well, I mean, there's going to be a Lego Batman movie that's essentially cheapy Batman. Probably, probably. Although it's, <laughs> if it's the Batman from the Lego movie, then that's very different. It's just kind of hilarious and awesome. But what's yeah. funny about the, the face, those facial expressions and chibi in general is like that was something that I saw a lot more in older anime. So like mm-hmm. not really the newer shows, but stuff like uh, stuff like Sailor Moon, which I watched a lot, or Ranma One Half, or Tenshi Muyo. Um, those were all like the great classic anime shows and uh, they relied on that stuff a lot and almost got to be kind of uh, you know stereotypical of anime but it's not something I see as much anymore in recent series well do yeah you think I mean avatar the, the breadth of those series I mean some mm-hmm. these older anime shows I feel like just went on and on and had <laughs> thousands of episodes like you almost need a some of them. show catch up especially mm-hmm. if I, we go back to Dragon Ball Z a lot of this Dragon Ball like, Z oh my god give me King a show because what the heck is going yeah. on in this episode there's so much story and yet nothing has happened um, oh man well it was especially it was really tough with Dragon Ball Z because uh, like they would spend hour they would spend entire episodes like dudes just doing a portion of a battle and then once the battle was over you'd have a clip show repeating everything that happened over those past several episodes so it was really that got to be kind of bad but the original show uh dragon ball uh had a lot of chibi stuff that was a much cuter less like yeah. tough fighting show I wanted to cuddle yeah. goku yeah. yeah i like the avatar the last airbender chibi shorts that i think are mm-hmm. on the dvd mm-hmm. collections uh and it's it's nice to see a chibi zuko zuko he trans he translates very well um <laughs> I don't know. I li- I really like that uh, in terms of animation. I like that shorthand of like a little chibi imagination world. Whereas like uh, I think in like the early '90s, you would see like um, something you don't see anymore, where like Bart Simpson's head would be in the lower left hand corner, and a thought bubble would literally fill the entire screen. So I, I don't know. I'm 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 happy to see more anime uh, storytelling shorthand transition to America, even if it was mostly because it's easier to draw. Probably. For budgetary reasons, I'm not, I do I'm, feel like Teen Titans ruined it, though. Like it, I, I, so it feels like they forced in those elements just to be like, we're not your typical uh, American TV show. We're very anime-like, guys. Pay attention to us. <laughs> yeah, Teen Titans did sort of anime out, uh, but I mean, but that I almost know a lot fits of people with that, the mm-hmm. surroundings, right? I mean, Pokemon kind of changed. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons or like week weekday afternoon cartoons and that was you know there was this anime invasion and mm-hmm. Teen Titans seems like a reaction to all that oh yeah that's yeah. what animation is yeah for a lot of kids these days uh, but I well, now, now I'm thinking about Pokemon Devendra <laughs> uh, about like <laughs> modern anime series I don't even I mean that's not really modern. Not, I mean, that I'm, was that's that was like mid nineties too or like yeah. Yu Gi Oh yeah I'm, I'm mentioning all these anime series that were playing. When I was like much younger, yeah. Well, um, but I don't know if they had clip shows or not because they didn't. Oh, yeah. care, they ca- they didn't care about their story. They all did. They all did, did they? Well, not, yeah. not only that, not only do they have clip shows, they would use the same scenes in multiple episodes. Yeah. Just really? Because they, yeah. Like all the all the ones that you're mentioning, patches, or like a lot of the early anime things that got transitioned over to American television were done so because they are cheap to do like yeah. anime style is just involves less drawings mm-hmm. uh, involves less moving backgrounds and they've developed a whole uh, shorthand of language around it so mm-hmm. something like Teen Titans 
brings an American budget and still has these like anime things, it could sort of work or it could sort of feel out of place because it's a completely different style. But stuff like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, they're like, how could we sell product. people products? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's I, I feel like the clip show in some ways legitimizes Legend of Korra as TV. You know, it's like legitimate, <laughs> great television because... I don't know about that. Part part of it is that it could it, this episode could exist if this series had played out over many years. The problem mm-hmm. is book three was like last Tuesday, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I don't need to feel nostalgic about the many adventures of Korra and everybody right now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in deep, and I've experienced so much all at once. Uh, well, at least uh, yeah. this show didn't deal with uh, stock footage, which is something a lot of older anime series did. Sailor Moon did that a lot. Uh, the stuff from, like, Power Rangers, too, like the whole transformation sequences, uh, yes. gathering the big robots. Yeah, we didn't... Uh, I'm glad to see that we never saw that in Avatar or Korra, because we always just got fresh animations. There so. should be a Korra transformation scene where, like, oh, all yeah. of Team Avatar become different. It should be Voltron. They should... Grab each that other should be the like, one minute of every single, is the arm. <laughs> one minute of every single Sailor Moon episode is something you see in every single Sailor yes. Moon episode. Yeah, like tuxedo every What's time. His name? Tux- tuxedo tuxedo mask. mask. Yeah, his his like moment is the same moment in every single episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when we look back on this episode on our Blu-rays in the future... We won't, will we? Well, I mean, this is the only evidence of how horribly Nickelodeon treated this show after, you know, everything else has gone to time and it's off Nick.com and all we have are our discs. Mm-hmm. We'll sit people down and be like, okay... I have to tell you the entire story of how Nickelodeon screwed over Legend of Korra before I show you this episode in book four. Your That's... future idea, your idea of the future is, is fantastic. As Gram- <laughs> Grandpa Dave Gonzalez is going to be sitting here, all right, kids, let me tell you a story. All right, kids. They ordered four books. I've been doing that for Firefly for years. Like Every time I introduce somebody new to the show or something, it's, yeah, it's a so thing. So Fox actually uh, aired this episode first. Makes yeah, no sense, right, kids? Yeah. yeah. That is kind of fun to have, like, an episode that you could point to for meta-commentary. <laughs> I don't know if all shows get that moment. Like, Firefly certainly doesn't. It's just, it, it is, it's 13-episode order. The actual, I mean, the actual How it structure of the show, the actual way they put the episodes on the discs and stuff, you could talk about all of that, because right. it was just a mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, we man. Always, you know what, the, the last third of this episode is something I would revisit. Yeah, I would watch Varric, Varric Varric doing this mover thing, mostly because I love Nucktuck and I love Jeremy Zuckerman's Nucktuck theme, which we obviously haven't heard since book two <laughs> and all this like just hilarious stuff like Evil Square, Terror Square, Legion of Darkness. What should they be called? I watch a TV show called Everyone Hates Unalak. Yeah, um, I would watch that spinoff. Hey, guys, what That's you just- doing? Other supervillains shunning Unalak. <laughs> is, incred- is calling him incredibly boring, unpopular, a... a- a commentary on like to... fan reactions. No, I feel yes. like that's yeah, that's what people okay. were saying. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> or like Vatu in the tree on the phone. All these guys gabbing about. Glad I caught you at home. Yes, like I ever leave this guy. <laughs> I love that they have these people at their disposable call in favors and be like Henry Rollins. We need you to do this kitschy bit for book four. <laughs> it's Save called us. fan service. Don't worry about it. We got some Juji laser eyes. <laughs> Janor was the queen of the fairies. They added fairy wings to her. <laughs> This is That's this perfect. is a Tumblr gift, if anything. I, I love Varric calling uh, calling Vatu the evilest kite to sort of the skies or something. Yes, like those yeah. Incredible. A lot the, of uh, good one-liners <laughs> and uh, poses from from Varric. <laughs> well, I also think this ends on an interesting note. If we're talking about if there's any thematic 
work being done in these kind of interstitial beats, if if the middle section is pointing to the end of this show, is the end of this episode where there's two lines, I think. Um, God, I don't have it in front. Baraz says, um, the Mako standard, says something like, it's just a mover, Bolin. Don't overthink it. It's just a ride. Um, and then Varric steps in. It's a Michael Bay movie, guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then Varric steps in. It's like, you know, never never sacrifice uh, the truth or a great never story. Never let the truth for, get in the way of a good story. Yes, yeah, so you're better at quoting things than I am. But those no, 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 that's just stuck a, out that's to me. Phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they were good. I thought it was good meta commentary as well. Uh, and I was thinking about all the people like anytime you complain about a Transformers movie and there are people like, I just want to go to the movies and turn my brain off, which might be a good segue to talking about Mockingjay <laughs> if we want to. Oh, oh yes. Man. Well, yeah. So before this episode, Joanna and I had a in-depth conversation about Cora. Uh, <laughs> Versus Katniss, the star of the Hunger Games series. And uh, since a few of us have seen this new Mockingjay episode, we thought maybe there would sure. be a moment here to discuss Korra versus Katniss. Because I actually, the reason I started talking about it with Joanna is because I got in a huge fight with my girlfriend about who, <laughs> if, if Korra is a better character than Katniss. Because I think the Hunger Games series really fails Katniss, who is great on paper. But not no. great. In wasn't the- even no. great on paper. No. Not even yeah, great. Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> but I, when I say in paper, I mean like, oh, what a great like a young woman right. who can command right, right, an army. Right, sure, or like she's sure. she's yeah. great in theory. Yeah. She's uh, a great what a great uh, cipher like, for the reader. Why yeah. is she such a failure though as a character? I mean, or as a as the engine for the Hunger Games. I really don't think it works. And Korra ends up being a much better kind of like right. feminist. She, she has a personality. She has motive, motivation. She has needs and desires, which I think is something we never really got from Katniss. But Katniss does have those. Like, they tell us she does. Right, right. But they it's don't always show it. Right. They don't necessarily show it. It's always tied to other people in a way. And, uh, I mean, for me, she was refreshing because she was like the antidote to uh, to What's-Her-Face from Twilight, right? But Who she was... wasn't. She's still yeah. Bella. She's just another pants character I that you put agree. on and walk around in. Like, she doesn't have her own identity. She's also, better. She's a bit better than Bella, like, circumstantially, yeah. but not in terms of, like, character development. Bella rules. Right. Bella at least confronts Whoa. her relationship oh, issues. <laughs> I like Bella. Stop right here. The last two Twilight movies are awesome. If you no. have not given them the time of day, Breaking Dawn 1 and 2 are fantastic. They're actually, they're sadistic. They're crazy. All right, I'm, I'm not going to, well, that would involve me watching those movies to, like, prove you wrong. But the oh, thing. But Devendra, you do have to watch, is it the last one that has that, like, fantasy sequence? The crazy one? The last one? two yeah. Breaking Dawn okay. are so good. At the, some point. The it's first really installment like of Breaking Dawn has yeah, Bella and uh, Edward like yeah. getting married on top of a sack of dead bodies. But on the grand spectrum, right, or on the spectrum of like major female protagonists that we've had recently, right? I would uh, Bella's way in the low end for me. Katniss is like more in the middle because at least she like her motivation wasn't just like who does she love and what her man- what her romantic interests were. It was more about self preservation. And they other kind things. of have boiled it down to that. It's boiled mm. down to the Peter Gale. situation at this point well Uh, it has to if you're going to split that last movie into two pieces because you have to build to the thing that happens anyway i didn't even feel bad during the movie honestly the the jennifer lawrence katniss is actually better than the book katniss just because jennifer lawrence has a certain charisma she can't get rid Mm -hmm. of and she does a really good job of playing up uh these characters that are actually from like really simple backgrounds as being smart uh Mm -hmm. same with like i don't know she, she does it in basically every every role Winter's uh, yeah yeah and, and i think in life uh not that it matters how smart jennifer lawrence is but i don't think very so it's like i 
I think that she's brought Dish? a lot of, uh, I Dish guess. bomb there. I guess. Why does Jennifer yeah. Lawrence care about what I think? She shouldn't, and that's the point. But uh, I, she could I would, be a Cora fan, man. We don't. I, know. I think the, the the main difference is uh, Katniss. I've always seen is like a Bruce Banner, like just wants to be left alone, but has right, great right. power that has to be kind of be controlled. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cora has a responsibility to act and the internal need to feel like she needs to fix things, which yeah. makes her just more active overall. That's helpful. That's yeah, really instead of point. it's yeah. like. It, if it, to me, if Cora were Katniss, Mako would have to be in danger for her to take on Kuvira, and that's just stupid. But also, there's there's a passive element to Katniss too. It's not just what's driving Cora. Well, she's telling she's telling a different story too. Mm-hmm. Like Hunger Games yeah. is about being sort of manipulated to that degree. So I don't hold that against the character. And mm-hmm. of course, she goes through a lot of crazy, shocking, horrible things. So I don't hold a certain degree <laughs> of the PTSD to the character. Yeah. But and, and that's what we want. Yeah. Well, and that's what? what we want to talk about: the PTSD of Korra versus Katniss, right, and right. how it, like, especially how it manifests in Mockingjay without spoilers. PTSD well, I mean, Katniss first, we got first scene, so no spoilers here. And uh, oh, yeah, man. and then and then what we saw with Korra, and um, I, I don't know. I just think that overall. Korra is a character that I root for more than Katniss. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's because every beat in Legend of Korra seems earned to me. I don't think there's anything that's been really false or out of step or just like, let's twist the character so she has to do this. It seems really organic, whereas... Well, except for some of the relationships. Like, I think except that's for when Asami the... visits her dad. Sorry, when... Asami visiting her dad or Korra Mako or the love triangle. Like, there's stuff that the series just didn't earn or didn't get, but what? gladly... The love you know, triangle's we... totally earned. You don't Ooh, think... no. Now we're having I... our clip show. We're going back. We're having time. our clip show. But yes, we did talk about this, and I do feel like... I mean, look at the whole Mako thing at the beginning, right? Just sketching over... Every the way Mako like interacted with Korra and with Asami and how that relationship worked out, it, it was kind of a mess, and it made Mako just look like a, an idiot playboy almost. Yeah, those early season two uh, or book two episodes are really tough on both Mako and Korra in the sense yeah. that they're they both have to do things that are completely against where we last saw them, but it's and so also they both really come messy. out complaining. It's like a teenage relationship. I think but I did totally kind of like reasonable. <laughs> That was a great subtext. part of the of the clip show where it like it was almost making fun of its own repetitiveness yes. in yes. season two when he's like, why does it have to be sides? Blah, blah, blah. Why, what's with you and sides? Like <laughs> that they just, uh, yeah, acknowledge that they they rehashed the same and uncharacteristic, it felt like, yeah. argument in season two, book two. Mm. So. It all, that all mm. kind of this like, <laughs> long extension. I mean, of course they're going to have repeated fights. What relationship does not have repeated fights? We're making the same word for word repeated fights? Yeah. Yes, that's, a, that's truth, man. That's real life. And <laughs> in Hunger Games, Hunger Games, especially Mockingjay, this new one that's out in theaters, is all predicated on stuff that like I did not witness in any of these previous movies. This kind of character building into to nothing from nothing. Oh, really? This, the first act of the what? original Hunger Games movie, I think, really fails everything that comes after it because mm. I don't know District 12. I don't know Gale and uh, Katniss. I don't know G- uh, Katniss and Peeta, which I know that they don't really have a thing going on before then. Right. Like, they just gaze at each other whenever it's raining. And... And there's no character They did survive a murder, a murder game together. <laughs> yeah, and we, but you yeah. mean pre Based Patrick? on fakery, right? It's all a stunt. Well, I see. That's I feel the, like Ken. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's the difference. Is Korra is an adventure hero, 
and mm-hmm. Katniss is a pawn in a whole bunch of people's games who has to regain her own agency somehow. Possibly yes. she doesn't. Stay tuned <laughs> next year. Here's here's my theory is that Katniss is not the real like Jennifer Lawrence is obviously the star of the Hunger Games, but Katniss is not the real star of that series nor the reason why it's interesting. It's interesting for the premise, like it's an interesting premise for the first two books, The Quarter Quell mm-hmm. and The Hunger Games. And then there are interesting side characters, which is why Catching Fire, I think, is the best of the series because oh, it yeah. really put the emphasis on like Joanna Mason and Finnick and all these other interesting side characters that have much more compelling stories and personalities than Katniss. But they and should when, be, it should be about her, them reacting or mixing with whatever Cora feels about the world or how she portrays or interacts with the right? But like, yeah. but, but, but Cora, like, first of all, Cora like has a better balanced ensemble throughout because they balance. don't have Jennifer Lawrence playing mm-hmm. Cora, so they don't feel the need that they can just have a Jennifer Lawrence movie in Mocking Jay and everything will be fine. Right. It's not. Right. And uh yeah, and then just Cora herself is her as as Dave already mentioned, as everyone already mentioned, is just a more mm-hmm. compelling, driven, active character and she's better than most protagonists i feel like katniss falls prey to like luke skywalker syndrome right because he's a he's he's kind of a nothing character i the first time i saw star wars i had no real attachment to him but the people around him were interesting um it wasn't until like maybe the end of empire strikes back where you start to get a sense of like who that character is and what certain loss means for him whereas cora was just compelling from the beginning i thought cora didn't need to go to the dagobah tree like luke did in terms of us understanding where she was coming from that's that's sort of why the clip episode feels weird in this book and it because like already this book was so much about Throwing, throwing a line through the other three books, even attaching book one, which uh, I'm still convinced they didn't plan on having part of this full story because it still feels right. sort of like an outlier. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but that, I don't think it feels like an outlier because it's part of this rolling theme. It's all about each bad guy that she's encountered has kind of challenged her worldview. There's always something challenging Cora or the way that she thinks. And I don't I don't get yeah. that from someone like Katniss. That's why I think Cora is a more successful character. It's not just about characterizing her. Do you know where that story's going by the way, Matt? Where do, do I know where Mocking Yeah, have you read the have you read the book? I really haven't. Everyone okay. just says it's terrible. I I, I have oh, to Oh, the, there are I'm, certain things, but I would say you have a little I'd had a little more sympathy for Katniss like with seeing how the story concludes and everything because it is really about her being just this she has not much agency on her own. She's a pawn between this whole power well, struggle. Yeah. Touch on that in the movie, you know, they talk about mm-hmm. how she, you know, she becomes this kind of propaganda star. She becomes Nucktuck. <laughs> In yeah. a way, yes, um, yes. And, and not on. You know, that she makes Natalie Dormer Varric, which is great. Yeah, she actually kind of is Varric. She <laughs> so has some, like, crazy hair and she's she well, yelling out direction her. from the sidelines. She's in the, middle the of sexiest. Battle. Yeah, she's sexy. you could make the you could make the argument. We're going to learn the same thing from Mocking Jay Part Two as we learned from Varric's Act Three retelling of this. <laughs> Mocking Jay Part think. Two is a clip show. I <laughs> <laughs> just we should prepare. Uh, Sort of. Where, you know, hold on for the ride and don't worry mm-hmm. so much about the truth. Um, I guess, are we done spoiling uh, Hunger Games for everybody on this uh, core podcast? Don't worry, don't worry about Hunger Games being good. That's what I should say. Right. <laughs> Going to make the most money. Don't worry if it's good or not. It doesn't yes. matter. Turn off your brain. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, just it's just a, a movie. Mover. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, I guess that wraps things up on this on this <laughs> clip show reaction. Well, now that we've gone but, longer, now that we're talking about Mockingjay and everything, if you they were to do yeah, like the can of words if, is open. Go. If we had a live action Korra movie, who would you like to say the uh, C play Korra? Oh, I like yes. going out on that. Wow. Yeah. Rashida who? Jones many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> many years. How ago. old will Kieran and Shipka be when? Actually, no, Kieran and Shipka's too vanilla. She can play Janora in the real mm-hmm. version. She's a little boring. Um, vanilla being boring, not necessarily uh, stabbing. Racial. Oh, yeah, you, we I should didn't give want, it. Not want to get racial there. You should give it back to uh, what's her face, the actual voice of Asami. <laughs> eh, uh, maybe. What about, she's, she's aged up. She went through that uh, what, what about Steven Kisha, Spielberg Kisha alien Castle series. Hughes. Um, I, I need to see her in Game of Thrones now. Mm. Yeah, probably one of the Sand Snakes from Game of Thrones. Yeah, is there someone? Ooh, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be good. Fun. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, there, there's all sorts of folks I would put through this. Like Zoe, if we had like Zoe Saldana being awesome during her teenage years or something, or early twenties, I think she would have been perfect. Who is the teenage Zoe Saldana? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know who? Uh, Gugu. Gugu. She's in everything though now. Mm. Everything. Could, she's in Beyond the Lights. And no, I feel like Bell, everyone's no talking about her now for everything. That's why she um, needs. But it. yeah, she's great. Yeah, they, they, if they made a core movie, they would just have to avoid the race-bending issue again <laughs> and not go. There are so many things wrong with Avatar The Last Airbender. There are lots of talented solved. brown people out there, guys. Uh, you know, just pick one of them. This is where Get we on. remind people that we recorded an entire commentary for Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> that people should watch. and go, Maybe to. we should like, resurface that. Real. That's it. Maybe, yes, Sushil Gabriel. Yeah. Maybe we should resurface that commentary on Tumblr or something. Just say, hey, by the way, this exists. We, that was incredible <laughs> i can't believe we did that um now i'm gonna be thinking about the core movie. who's gonna play I all the parts it. who's gonna yeah. play tenzin who's gonna play bolin who's gonna play mako <laughs> now you have my imagination i wish i had prepared Not fo- well yeah we should talk about this more next week jk mm-hmm. simmons as tenzin everyone that's the oh, amazing definitely part JK of yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'm thinking about it now like in everyone whiplash who's in mode. it what? yeah his whiplash haircut yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Every, he's perfect. Everyone they've cast behind the scene, behind yeah. the uh, animation is actually... DJ Burnus Bolin would totally work, yeah. Faustino, though? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we short. We want to yeah. reach a little higher for, for live-action Mako. Oh, I no hope he's not listening Faustino. to this one. No, yeah. I love Faustino. What we got to make money funny? with this thing. I'm sorry, David. What was funny about Mako was... Um, when you had the flashback, you really uh, saw that they've tried to make him look like more of an adult. His face was so thin yes. and angular in yeah. that, in the clips. So I can't tell if our dedicated commenter, <laughs> Ivan Leroy, who is an incredible <laughs> comedian in our, uh, our comments, he created a highlight reel for Mako, and I can't tell if he's legitimately <laughs> defending him or not, but it is very funny. I, I love his, his edits because I frequently uh, don't know what to think about them. They could go either way. Yeah. It's like, is, does he like this aspect of the show, or does he hate this aspect? Of the, I cannot tell. This it's is perfect. Uh, outsiders, uh, outside comedy. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, but hey, someone loves Mako. Maybe? Or maybe they hate him. Who knows? Mako, I love you. Woo down. <laughs> yeah. Woo loves Mako. Woo loves Mako. Uh, okay, maybe that wraps up this week. We can now, everyone can fan cast the Legend of Korra movie in the comments yeah! of this episode. Uh, because we'll have to resurface this idea. Do now, it. Now no white yes. people. And chibi <laughs> illustrations of all of us for whoever would dare to do that. Um, I'm not even going to ask people if they have favorite moments. No, I have one though. Her. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Who has favorite little moments from this episode, Joanna? My my favorite moment of this episode is a reminder of how Asami has the best animated hair of any character ever. 
the end. She's always gorgeous. It's so funny. Yeah. I guess I I mean I liked she- Shiro Shinobi in the intro here. That was a that was so weird actually. It really took me off guard. I mean I, I didn't. It's like a Rose like and Kranz and Guildenstern. Yeah. yeah he's like, Thanks for all the memor- a trip down memory lane. I'm I like, was what? here. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and Tenzin pops up because Tenzin's really doing nothing in book nothing. four. Like, I guess he had a pretty big moments. He died, remember? He died in book three, so that's why he's not really around. In it's actually a ghost we're seeing. And yeah. then Pabu. Pabu uh, in this episode. Was he in Never this enough episode, Pabu. Ginger? We did get some Pabu, yeah. He so. was in the mover flashbacks, yeah. Uh, yes. oh, he had, uh, no, that, with was, his... that was Juji. Oh. Yeah. I don't consider that Pabu. <laughs> it was the laser eyes, yeah. Yes. That's not played by Pabu? No, it is, but oh. I consider him Juji. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Whoa. Woo down. Ooh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's get out of here. That was a great clip show episode, and maybe we're on to a five-part finale. I, I think Devendra's theories that we are actually seeing a Legend of Korra movie. Are well, this, this is not what I meant. What I meant was an actual... Like, no, I know. You know no, yeah. but on, on episodes past, and I'm sure yes. we can rehash the clips here. Mm-hmm. Uh, play it. Uh, no. Um, that <laughs> sure. you no. have in the past mentioned that going out on kind of a big animated movie would be cool. And yeah. that might be... I think that's kind of what they did for Avatar The Last Airbender. The last yeah, three, yeah. the Sozin's Comet uh, finale was kind of played as a movie. It's traditional for them to like combine either combine the last few episodes or at least give a big chunk of the animation budget to those few episodes so we have something big to end up. Yeah, people were worried. But now that the tree <laughs> be a fallen... <laughs> Get crazy. All the money they saved on this clip episode, we should see it on the screen, right? I think we will, I hope. Um, Yay. <laughs> Yay. All right. That's it for this week. Davindra, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Davindra. I podcast about TVs and movie at slashfilm.com, and I write about tech at engadget.com. Joanna? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. You can find me on a no- number of podcasts, including The Thought Bubble, The Station Agents, or you can find my writing over on VanityFair.com. Wait, The Thought Bubble is new. You should mention that you're looking for – isn't it? Isn't it a submission podcast? Yes. Like if you can... have any questions, comments, or concerns about comic books or the way in which comic books are adapted to film and television, please do send your questions to bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com, and Dave and I will answer them. Dave will answer them, and I will try to be useful. That's how that works. Yeah, I plugged it. I plugged it for you. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Plug. Um, I'm tw- on Twitter at da7e and write about superhero movie news and Star Wars, Latino-Review.com, and Mega Franchises at Forbes.com. And I'm Matt Patches. I write all over the place on the internet, and I try and put everything on my Tumblr, which is mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and I recap Cora at screencrush.com. So until next week, as we draw close to the finale, farewell. <laughs>